Praise the Lord. Kevin, is, am I allowed to take this off of here? Okay. That was an awesome testimony, Brother Oakleaf. That was an amazing testimony. And thank you for sharing that. It's, we get to see and we get to hear of a lot of things that God does, what He'll do in our lives behind the scenes, but sometimes there's things that go on and you never even know it. And God's just making a way for you, providing for you. I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. First Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read from verse 1 and also verses 4 through 7. Verse 1, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Verse 4, Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God, which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit, given to every man to profit with all. Given to every man to profit with all. I want to talk to you for just a few minutes. I'm well aware of the time, and if you give me just a moment, I'd like to preach to you. Will you preach with me? I'm going to go back to the book of Judges, and we find a story of a man by the name of Gideon. Gideon is on uh, next to a wine press, and he's threshing wheat, gathering food for his family. And the text says that an angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Gideon is just there by himself from the story we read here, and he's threshing wheat, getting food prepared for the family. And out of nowhere, the angel appears to him, and he's in the presence of God. And he speaks to him and says that he's with him. He assures him that he's not alone, that he is with him. And he reveals to him and kind of gives him a compliment by calling him a mighty man of valor. Gideon's response, though, is not one of excitement. He didn't bow down in reverence. No, and Gideon responds very unusually. He asks God a question. Oh, my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then has all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told of us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. He's in the presence of God. He's threshing the wheat. And God tells him that he's with them and lets him know that he's not alone. And Gideon doesn't get excited. He doesn't speak to God in reverence. He doesn't bow down, but he asks him this question. And this question is remarkable. It's almost like, Gideon, what were you thinking in the presence of God? The right away you start questioning him and you ask him, well, if you're with me, God, then where are the miracles? I've heard about the miracles. My fathers have talked about the miracles. Our ancestors mentioned the miracles, Lord. But if you're with us, where are the miracles? 
And if you be with me, God, how come we're going through this? How come I'm facing everything that I'm facing? You see, Gideon was um, spent the last several years of his life in oppression to the Midianites. And he was threshing wheat beside the wine press because he was hiding from the Midianites. They would come up after all the work was done by him and his people, and the Midianites would take their food and they would be left with nothing. So he's over there, he's probably scared, he's probably afraid. He understands what it's like to be in bondage for the last seven years of his life. He understands what it's like not to be free. But Gideon was also old enough to remember the pre-oppression days before the Midianites came and, and was overtaking them. He remembers what it was like to get up and to be free, to be able to do things that he wanted to do, to be able to spend time with the family, not to have to worry so much and hide while he was threshing the wheat, but to work hard in the field. And when the harvest came, they were able to enjoy it. He knew what it was like to be free. He knew what it was like to be at rest and to feel the peace he could see all the wars going on around him. All the other people were fighting amongst one another, but not his people. They were at rest. So no doubt the emotions and, and the thoughts that were going through his mind through these last seven years when he heard God speak to him, they are what produced this response. They are what brought forth the question that said, Okay, God, I know you're here and you're telling me you're with me, but I want to know about the miracles. I want to know, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying, but what I'm hearing from you is the same stories I've always heard, but what I've seen in my life the last seven years aren't backing up what I've always heard about you, God. What I've seen is I've seen myself forsaken. I've seen the people forsaken. Where have you been at then, God? And if you're with us, why are these things taking place? It's unbelievable to me that Gideon, even in his state of mind, would ask such a question. But what is more profounding to me, what I don't understand even more, is how God responds to Gideon. Gideon, if you want to see the miracles, you go. If you want to see the people delivered, you go. God doesn't even honor his question by giving him a direct answer. Immediately, he doesn't, he doesn't start explaining to Gideon, saying, Gideon, well, you know, the reason why you haven't seen the miracles and the reason why you haven't seen the deliverances is because when you remember those times of rest, it was times when your people were obedient to me. And there came a time when you turned over to evilness and you walked away from me and all the people together were doing what they wanted to do. They were not serving me and it's because of that that I had to send an oppressor to shake you loose from your ways so that somehow you would get enough energy and enough broken heartness that you would cry out to me one more time that we could connect again in the right way. Gideon does not get that type of answer. God does not feel like Gideon needs to understand those things. He just tells him that if he will go in this might, that will save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. The only answer he gets is if you want the revival, Gideon, you're going to have to do something yourself. If you want the deliverance, Gideon, you're going to have to go to make this happen. Yes, I am God. Yes, I can perform it. But if it's going to be done, I'm going to use you. You're going to have to go, Gideon. And you would think, man, that Gideon would explode with energy and excitement. 
just grateful for the fact that his mind has been occupied about freedom for so long and then before him in the presence of Almighty God he has given the answer that if he will just go those things that he has longed for for these past several years are going to come to pass. But Gideon does not explode with excitement. Gideon does not take off running in the direction, any direction the Lord would send him. But Gideon says, My Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Gideon, what are you saying? What are you saying, Gideon? Have you not longed for the moment to be free? Have you not wanted so bad a time where you didn't have to hide threshing your wheat, where you could do the things you did on your everyday life out in the open, not afraid of the Midianites taking you back? Have you not longed for those moments that you remember in the rest and the good times where God was with you? Have you not wanted that more than anything? And now before you, God has given you an answer. He's shown up and he's saying that Gideon, if you will go, these things will happen. You will save the people of Israel from the hand of the Midians. It's not an option, Gideon. If you go, it will happen. But Gideon does not go right away. He questions and he says, God, not me. God, not me. I want freedom, Lord. I want the revival, but God, don't ask me to do something in it. Don't send me to go and get involved. Don't make me the leader to organize something. And so many times, even in our days, we talk about the revival. We talk about wanting to see people healed. We talk about wanting to see the mighty works of God. And we want to do it with all of our heart as long as we can sit back in the shadows. But God's not wanting us to sit in the shadows. It's not part of God's plan. It's not part of God's purpose. If we want to see the revival that we pray about, that we hear preached about, it's going to take everyday, ordinary people that are out going about their business being willing to say, I will go. Willing to say, I want it bad enough, God, that yeah, I will let you use me even though my family's poor. Even though I've got no name behind me. Even though I'm first generation Pentecost and not 18th generation. Even though I have not stood faithful for a hundred years. Even though I am a new convert, God. I will let you use me to bring your purpose to your people. All you have to do is go, Gideon. All you have to do is go. Gideon, in my opinion, found himself in a very, very dangerous place. Gideon was in his presence, and when he had opportunity to speak, he asked questions about how God was working and where he'd been at all this time. And we find ourselves in a place, and it's a dangerous place. We've got to break free from a place where we will question how God works we're brave enough to question how he works. We're brave enough to ask him where he's at. But we're not brave enough to put our lives in his hands. We're brave enough to say, God, where is the revival? God, where is the healing? God, where is the provision? And when he speaks and he gives the answer and he says, you know what, person that's been crying out, I've been waiting for you to cry out. Now that you've finally made it to the place where you're broken enough to cry out for me, all I want you to do is be the one I can use. 
And that's where it gets so troublesome. That's where it gets hard. People back off a little bit and say, well, I want it. And that's where God sees how bad you really want it. So what if you're not skilled in that area? So what if you're not popular? And you can't get a group together like other people might be able to get a group together. So what? If God is asking you to do something, understand there is a purpose behind it. What Gideon was missing when he started making up the excuses and saying it couldn't be me because of my family and who I am, he's not understanding there's something that's blind in his eyes because God did not meet him next to that wine press while he was threshing the wheat so that Gideon could decide if he wanted to go or not. God showed up at that point in time because he had a purpose he wanted to fulfill in Gideon. And Gideon was the one he chose. When God shows up, when he's with us, when he's on the scene, you've got to understand that there is a purpose behind it. He did not just show up for conversation. It's not like he was not busy enough taking care of the rest of the universe. God came into the life of Gideon at this time for a specific purpose. And the purpose of God has to be met. And it takes the people of God willing to go. The indwelling of the Holy Ghost in us. When God fills an individual with his spirit, when he he fills you with his spirit, don't let that be littled. Don't let somebody try to talk you into that not having any meaning or that not having any purpose. People try to say that it doesn't matter about the Holy Ghost anymore. They say it's not for today. They say it's not for people that are believers. That it's something other people are are kind of messing with and experiencing. But it's not necessary and it's probably not even true. But they're wrong. Don't let somebody convince you of such a lie. Because the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, you can't separate God and His Spirit Bible says that God is the Spirit. So when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it is God Almighty, powerful, coming to live inside of you. He is not short from anything. All of His power and His might has just found a home. And He did not come to live inside of you to find another place to rest. He came to live inside of you to find a place to work. He wants to work through you. He's got a purpose He wants to do in your life. He's not looking for a place to relax. Not at all tired or weary. So he just chose you so he could take a nap. But he chose you because you were willing. When he fills you with his spirit, you're broken. When he fills you with his spirit, you're ready. And when he fills you with his spirit, there is a purpose. What I'm talking about tonight is his spirit and the purpose. His spirit and the purpose. The manifestation of the Spirit is the life of the church. You take away God's Spirit being able to move freely through the lives of me and you and other believers, and you strangle the church. He operates through me and you. He moves through me and you. When we're spirit-filled people, which is us, and through our lives, God is wanting to show His light. It's through our lives that He's wanting to touch other people. It's through our lives He's wanting to accomplish His purpose. In Corinthians, we find that, that Paul's dealing with many issues. It's a church he established through the working of God. It's a church he loved, people he cared about, 
But when he writes this letter to them, he's, he's having to rebuke them. He's having to get on to them. They've got all sorts of things going on that should not be going on in the church. And he's having to get on to them. And one of those things is concerning spiritual gifts. And Paul knows what's been taking place. The church in Corinth has been using the gifts to edify themselves, to make themselves look good, to draw attention to themselves, that, that I might have a gift better than the next man or a gift more, profit, uh, more profiting to the church than the next man. And, and these things were taking place throughout the church and the congregation. And Paul had to write the letter to them. But you notice Paul did not write, listen, church of Corinth, you have messed up the gifts and exploited them for your own benefit. Something so precious, something so holy, you're done. Don't operate in the gifts anymore. He didn't say that. When he wrote them, he said, First, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. I don't want you to be ignorant concerning them. I can't ask you to get rid of the gifts because these spiritual gifts working in the lives of the members of the church is how the body is edified. It's how the church grows. It's how ministry is made. I can't take that away, but I want you to understand it. And this is what I want to get at for just the next two minutes here. As he goes on to say that the gifts for one is given by the Spirit, the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of the spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit Dividing every man severally as he will. The spiritual gifts, as we read here in the book of Corinth, are meant for every believer. Every person that has received the baptism of the Holy Ghost should be seeking and praying for God to manifest His Spirit in these ways and other ways that aren't even listed here. We should be seeking those things, longing for those things. I know we get nervous and we get scared. When you get to thinking about these things being seen in your life, you think about not me. You start to sound like Gideon. God, I want the revival. God, I want the deliverance. But I know you want to work this way through your spirit. But God, not me. Don't let me be the one to feel the, uh, the, the tongues coming upon me. And don't let me be the one to feel the one that's supposed to interpret. God, don't let me be the one with wisdom or with great faith to lay my hands on somebody and heal. Lord, I want to see him healed, but God, don't choose me to be that man. God, don't call me to be that person, but it's too late. He's already called you to be that person. When he filled you with his spirit, you heard yourself speak in a language unknown to you. You didn't understand it. But that was a miracle, yes, a miracle to assure yourself so that you would know without the shadow of a doubt that you received that which he promised to you. So you would know it, but it was not at all the speaking in tongues that was the purpose of you receiving his spirit. Not at all. But it was the gifts of that spirit. It was the working of that spirit. The ability for that spirit to lead you and to guide you into all things 
is what Paul's dealing with here. That's why he couldn't say, stop, Church of Corinth. That's why he couldn't rebuke them enough to say you can't use them anymore because it's absolutely a necessity for the church to operate in this way. You've got to long for those gifts just because other people have exploited them. Just because other evangelists or other TV evangelists, people with no names will mention but just because other people have exploited them, and you know if God uses you in this way, there'll probably be somebody that will look upon you as strange. They'll look upon you as weird. You as being off your rocker. That's not what the Word says. I'm encouraging you not to be afraid. Because when God settles something on your life, and that spirit comes to live inside of you, there is a purpose behind it. There is purpose that you don't have to worry about the end results. You don't have to worry about what people are going to say, how they're going to look at you. Don't be afraid to lay your hands and pray, on, pray with somebody. If God leads you to do that, you can probably look in your own mind and your own heart and think about the countless times where God moved on you to do something. Where God moved on you to say something. Where it wasn't the preacher's job, but God dealt with you to do it. And the countless times that you just quenched that out of fear, out of not feeling worthy. It's those things we need to long after. I'm closing from the book of Hebrews. Verse 12 in chapter 5 says, For when, for the time ye ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. It goes on to say, For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. The next few verses. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Verse 1 says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection. Verse 2. Of the doctrines of baptisms and of laying on of hands, and of the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. Such a list of things that are so important to us, so crucial to us. And Paul is saying that it's time that you get past those things. You don't leave those things behind. You don't forget about those things, but you've got to press on to perfection. You've received the Holy Ghost. You've got the power living within you. There is a purpose in your life, and you've got to go past those things. You've got to get past getting up and failing every single time you turn around. You've got to get past going through back and forth on the faith, getting past back and forth from wave to wave and every bit of doctrine, and everything throws you off your rocker. You're not built on anything. Get past those things, he says. The foundation is what that is. But the foundation is built so that there can be, the foundation is laid so that we can build upon it. So that we can build upon it. 
C.S. Lewis and the book club were reading screw tape letters. It's a, it's a story between, from what I've heard so far, it's two demons. One is screw tape, one is wormwood. And it's a story, screw tape is obviously higher in the rankings, and he's, he's teaching wormwood, and they're writing letters back and forth, and he's teaching them how he can pull a patient, which would be a, a human, a human, away from living for God, or he can prevent him from living for God. He's trying to teach Wormwood on how to accomplish this goal. And I was listening to it today because I'm behind on the book club thing, so I bought, I rented the, the CDs and I'm driving in my car listening to it. And, and, and he says this, screw tape does, to Wormwood. Cards, cards are just as good as murder if cards are enough. The cards are just, playing cards is just as good as murder if cards are enough. What he's saying to, to the young demon is, don't, you don't have to try to get them to commit horrible acts of sin. You don't need to go that far to where your goal is to always push them over the edge. Screw tape's telling him, all you've got to do is find something to occupy them enough that they don't fulfill their purpose. And you've got them defeated. We can stand. And there's no question in my mind that there's individuals in this group that God will use mightily. There's definitely preachers in this group. There's definitely ministers growing up in this group. Definitely Sunday school teachers. But for those of you that don't feel a calling to ministry, you don't feel like you're going to be behind the pulpit and you don't feel like you're going to be ministering through Sunday school or as a teacher, understand that the manifestation of the Spirit is how you give to the body of Christ. And that has to operate for us to succeed as a church. So you don't have to be a minister for God to use you in that way. Gideon ends up going through the battles and asking all kinds of questions before he finally goes with it. But they do conquer and they do win. But I hope that tonight we can just take a minute to pray and let God know that we are surrendering to His will and His purpose. Don't ask all the questions. He's going to make it right. He's going to make a way. We have one mic here. I'm going to share it with Brother Josh as he comes up and leads us just in a moment. Let's take some time. Just for a few minutes and let's just pray and let God know that we are committed to whatever He wants.